Praise the Lord. Wonderful to be here. Just, uh, I just loved uh, what Joanne, how she ministered. Just carries something really special and precious. And uh, so tonight we can just enjoy that. We've got a, a picture that's just going to go up on the, uh, behind me here in a moment. And uh, Ian, I want you to come up and just explain what the picture is. You'll do it better than I would. I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> uh, okay, come on, put the picture up. You got that picture from yesterday? Hallelujah. I want you to um, have a look at this picture here. Unfortunately, the door's on the top of it, um, shining across the screen. Um, can you all see that? What you'll see is behind the guy dancing on the stage, there is a flame or a pillar of fire standing behind him. Can you see that there? Last, yesterday in one of the meetings in the evening, the photo was taken. There were seven of these pillars of fire inside the meeting. I could see them. There were a number of people who were in the meeting could see them in the spirit. And when we took a photo... This is what came out in the photo. You can see it there standing behind him. We have three photos of the same thing. One with him standing in front of it, so you can see a portion of it behind him. Another one of it when it first started coming down through the roof. And this one here when it's in its fullness. You can see this one here, see standing behind him. That is not a reflection. That is a spirit being manifesting in the natural world, able to be taken with the photo lens of a camera. And this just explains to you how thin the veil between the supernatural world and the natural world is becoming. And it's an exciting time we live in. And I just wanted you to see this because it's, it's vital for us to stand, understand that the glory of God is visiting the earth in our day. And this is our day. Amen. Fantastic. There you go. Don't try and explain it. You can't. <laughs> it's just things of the Spirit are wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Now, just be, before I, uh, I start, just, um, I have just one announcement to make. Uh, I've just been with Lynn this morning before I came to the service, and uh, Tony passed away last night about 10 o'clock, and uh, so she's uh, just in a, in a, very, a place of tremendous peace, but uh, of course there's grief over the loss. And uh, so I know we, we just love Lynn so much, I know everyone will feel this very much, and I want to uh, encourage you to uh, respond uh, in, in the most practical way, just to pray for her. Maybe just send a note card. And uh, if you're going to come, just please again do ring. She just needs a bit of space to be able to be alone. And uh, she just hasn't had the time to be able to just uh, grieve. So she had t I had time with her this morning. We prayed together. And uh, when we look at Tony's life and Lynn's life, we see how God has prepared them both for this moment. And uh, we see how the Lord has just moved and shifted them so much. And it, five or six years ago, it would be unbelievable that he would stand next to her in the mission field, speaking the Word of God, and people would love him for who he is. It would be unthinkable for that to happen and for him to be standing on the door, uh, making everyone feel real welcome and not wanting to not be on the door uh, if you, those of you who knew him before would realize it's just a, a supernatural miracle of God. And uh, probably the most touching part of it is this. Th those things are so wonderful because it brought them together before they were departed. But the most wonderful thing is just at the very last hours of his life, he was able to bring all of his children in one at a time. And they knelt by the bed and he spoke over them and blessed them and spoke prophetically over their lives. Each one of them received something different from the Lord through him. And uh, it's, you, when you look at that, only God can do that kind of stuff. Only God can do that kind of stuff. And so, we, although there's a, it's, it, there's a grief 
always associated with death. There's also tremendous joy because we see how God has arranged every detail right to the very end. And uh, so why don't we just lift our voice and pray for Lynn right now, just for the presence of God to come around the life. The funeral will probably be, uh, we- uh, the funeral will be here Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Uh, but just watch the paper just to and confirm that. Father in heaven, we just thank you. You're a God who does all things well. We thank you, Lord, for what you've done in the life of Tony and Lynn. We thank you, Lord, for the way they've impacted so many people here, not just here but in other nations. Father, we just thank you how you've worked everything out so well. And we pray now that you will uphold Lynn. She will feel your presence. She will feel your comfort, feel your words come to her, feel your presence, fill her house and fill her life. Father, be the everlasting arms that she can lean on. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. We thank you for what you have done. And Lord, we pray that the miracles you did in their lives will be repeated in the lives of many other people in this place and every area that we have influence in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 I want you to open your Bible in, in James chapter 3. We've been speaking about taming the tongue. Oh my, it's been a really good series. I found myself being catching myself every day with words, catching the words I'm speaking, starting to look again at the things I'm saying. And uh, we saw... Uh, that we're in a season where God's wanting us to prepare our hearts, prepare our lives. One area of your life to really deal with is the tongue, the words that we speak. And uh, we'll be looking at diseases of the tongue, chronic diseases of the tongue. We looked at some Bible pictures of the tongue, and it was pictured as a deadly serpent about to bite. Uh, It was pictured as a sword about to pierce someone. It was pictured in a whole number of different ways, as rust eating people out. So the words that we speak have tremendous negative impact, but the words we speak can have amazing, wonderful, positive impact. And we looked at some particular areas uh, that God was wanting us to become sensitive to. Once the word is preached, you become aware of it, then you become sensitive to it, then the Spirit of God can suddenly bring to your awareness whenever you're slipping with your mouth. And uh, we looked at the area of lying. We looked at the area of gossip and slander. Last week, we looked at the area of put-down words, words that put you down and, uh, and, and, and cause you to feel uh, devalued and a loss of esteem or shame. How many people have been really aware of the put-down words around them this last week or so? Yeah, a lot of people are aware. How many have been aware in your own life, you've started to catch yourself uh, whenever you've said anything that had a slight put-down thing in it? How many start to find that? Great, that's wonderful. I found I've become much more alert. So I want to get into another area today, uh, and uh, where we're leading to is we're going to be looking at how God has designed us to function. So I want to start to sow something out on that today, how God has designed us to operate, and then we're going to go into look at another kind of words which we're all guilty of. And that area we'll look at is the empty words, empty words, insincere words, words that carry no substance. So let's have a look in James chapter 3 and pick up and uh, <clears throat> begin to look through. Uh, into these verses. James chapter 3, verse 3. Indeed, we put a bit in a horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look at ships. They're large, but they're driven by by fierce winds. They are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member, but it boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. So you notice he's using some pictures here you steer a, a big horse, you change the whole direction of its body, 
by the bridle by getting a hold of its mouth. Uh, you see a ship, we change the direction of a big ship just with a small rudder. What he's saying is your life is turned about if you can tame the tongue and master the kind of words you're speaking. Now, of course, that, yeah, we can understand it with a horse and we understand it with the ship. We really do find it a lot more difficult to understand it from a spiritual perspective, how this affects our life. But the Bible's very clear. If you can shift a horse by tugging on its mouth, you can change your life by speaking different words. You can change your life by speaking different words. And uh, we talked about kinds of words uh, that people speak. Uh, words are containers. Words are containers. There's not just, just words that are spoken. They actually carry something with them. That's why when someone says something to you, it sounds okay, but then you feel different afterwards. You can get off the phone with someone and you feel quite downed afterwards. You feel depressed. You don't even know why you like that, but as you evaluate it, you realize, although the words seemed okay, the negativity and despair or, or, or uh, offense in their heart was downloaded to you. You pick up what is ministered from their heart. As we saw that people speak out of their heart, they're in a man. So what is in our spirit will always flow out of our mouth. And the words that flow are containers. They actually carry something. Another place, the Bible says that the words we speak are seeds. The seed is very small, but if you just leave it, it'll germinate and grow. You, you start to tell a lie about someone, pretty soon that lie springs up and grows and person's whole relationship with that other person has changed. So, so words have great power to shift and change the way our lives operate. Now, I want us to look a little bit about how God designed us to operate. And uh, we want to ask the question, what words are you releasing into this world? What words are you speaking into this world? What words are you reflecting? Last week, we were looking at the issue of whether you are an echo or whether you are a voice. An echo means something is being repeated that someone else said. And so we looked at your life, and, and many people are just repeating what someone else said about them. Many people are just reflecting. You were put down, you were told you were an idiot, told you couldn't do this, couldn't do that. It got into your mind and heart. In the end, you begin to echo what was told to you, and that begins to now determine your life course. You are in agreement with it, and you're speaking it. It's where you're going. And if we're going to change our life, we need to come into agreement with the words God says about us, the words God says about our life, the words God says about who we are, what we have, what we can do. We need to agree with what God says and give voice to what God says. When you agree with what God says and give voice to what God says, the power of heaven is released, your life changes. How does a person get saved? How does a person get out of the power of sin and change their eternal destiny for an eternal destiny without God, an eternal destiny separated from God, tormented forever. How do they change and end up with a destiny which is eternal? It's walking with God, enjoying His life on the earth. Simply this, words. Words from God get in your heart. You believe them and speak them, and then heaven hears and your life changes. So if such an important thing as my eternal destiny can be changed by the words I believe and speak, how much more will the rest of my life be affected in exactly the same way? 
It's just because we have a Western, non-spirit worldview, we don't understand the power of words. So I want to just talk to you a little bit about God's design. I'm not going to go far on it because I want to go from here back into this issue of empty words. I want to identify words which we so commonly speak which are quite empty. So let's have a look at divine design. First of all, look with me in Ephesians 5 verse 1. Ephesians 5 verse 1. When we talk about divine design, we're talking about the way God designed things to work. God designed stuff to work. I guess the guy who makes something knows how it works best. Sin means we disagree with the designer how to do it best. We have our own plan. And the reality is, though, is that the way God designed things to work is actually how they really work. He knows how life works. You do things his way, you find you get his results. In Ephesians 5 verse 1, it tells us this. It says, be therefore followers of God as beloved children. Now, any of you who have had um, children, little children, realize there's something they do quite regularly, and it's very common, is they copy mom and dad. can be really embarrassing, can be really good, but they copy you. They listen to what you say, they watch what you do, and then they do it. And so you'll find little kids often acting out what mum and dad say and do. We've had ours in the pool baptizing kids, pushing them under, trying to remember what we said, but they've got the picture of it. Someone's being baptized, they're into it. And, and they're copying what they've seen done. So, so children tend to imitate and copy or walk like the, their parents. They do that thing. And the Bible says, be followers of God as beloved children. So if we're born again, we're called to be followers of God. Or that word means to imitate. Literally, be imitators of God. That word comes from the word meaning to mimic. Be a mimic of God. In other words, the way God speaks and the way God operates or behaves... Do the same thing like a little child would do that to his father. It's interesting that Jesus actually ran his whole life that way. He said, the things I hear the father say, I say those things. The things I see the father doing, that's what I do. So his life on earth was a reflection of imitating his father. And that's why he was able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen my dad. You've seen God the father. You've seen what God is like. I'm reflecting him completely. Now, We are called and designed to represent God in the earth. We're designed to be his ambassadors, to be his sons and daughters, to reflect in the earth what he's like. So therefore, we are called to operate in the world like God operates. Now, there's many ways he operates, but I want to pick up one particular thing, and that is about the use of words. I want to give you three uses of words, three ways that God uses words And we should imitate those ways, okay? Here's the first one. God uses words to create things. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so the things that are seen came from things that were not seen. Now that's a hard thing for a Western-minded person to think. We, We think of building a house, then we think of the materials, we think of the construction, the foundation, we think of things we can see. But everything that you see around you, which is visible, came into being this way. The Spirit of God was moving, and the Word of God was spoken. Let there be, and things were created. In other words, the things you see were created by words coming out of the heart of God. And God still operates that way. When God speaks words, the words have creative power to bring something into existence that wasn't there before. 
Now, that's a real problem for us, especially if you're evolutionist. You'll have a lot of trouble with that. But God does it. He creates new things by speaking His Word. That's how things are. So it says, we understand the worlds were framed. In other words, they were established or brought into being, or they were designed and brought forth so we can see them. How were they done? By the Word God spoke. So that tells us that one, and, and the, the first words that God is recorded to have said in the Bible were creative words. Let there be, and there was. We thought, well, that's God. Okay, we'll just take it a little further then, because your words are creating something too. Your words create an atmosphere in your home. Your words create the relationships you have around you. When you come up and you stand up here in an altar and you make uh, speak words, you create a marriage bond and you're committed for life. When you want to build a building, you'll always start off with a dream and you'll put it into words. You're never going to get a building built if you don't speak words. So even without spirit creativity, words are still used to bring new things into existence. If you want to bring something new into existence, you have to first have the dream, but somehow you've got to speak and communicate it. Now, God's way is even at a different level. He can speak, and it supernaturally is created. And so we realize then that Jesus did exactly the same thing. Think about it. Jesus spoke into bread, and it says he blessed the bread, or he spoke words over it, and it multiplied. How do you figure that one? If he hadn't spoken any words, they'd all gone hungry for lunch. He was able to release creative power. He released it in a whole number of ways. Uh, He spoke creatively into situations. He spoke into the environment. He spoke into diseases. He spoke in a whole range of things. But the way things are brought into being, creative miracles come when the Spirit of God is moving and someone speaks a word. Now, God is wanting us to imitate Him, so if we want to bring forth God's design in our life, we must know it and see it and then speak it from our spirit. Now, a lot of people don't understand that, so they remain like this. Oh, God, please change me. I bet you've been praying that prayer a long, long time. And you will be continuing to pray it a long, long time because that's not how you bring about change. You don't bring about it by saying, please, God, change me. The Bible says very clearly how change comes about. It comes about when we change how we think, change what we believe, and change what we say. According to your faith, let it be done to you. So if I know what God has done in my life when the new birth, and I begin to declare that, and I begin to confess it, and I begin to decree it over my life, my circumstances in life will begin to adjust to agree with the words I'm speaking. You see, I I can feel the struggle we have with us, eh? Because we only think of things being constructed by something we can see. You're a builder, you know, got to get some 4 by 2s and some other stuff, put it together, I can make something. But we don't think of designing things by the words of God being spoken out of our mouth. But we must get into that. That's how Jesus operated. He spoke into people's bodies and there were creative miracles. In other words, limbs restored, eyes restored where there were none before. How did it happen? The Spirit of God moving. He heard what the Father wanted to say. He said it, and something changed. That's how, the, that's how we're designed to operate. 
Is God seeking to change you to become like Christ? He has to begin to operate the same way. Uh, we'll get on to how to do that in, in another session, but I want to just get these seeds laid out in the heart. Here's the second thing about, about the words that God speaks. The words God speaks impart life. In other words, when God speaks, He will always speak in such a way that there is an impartation into you of life. That means you'll be encouraged. It means you'll be built up. Or if He convinces you of sin, it's not to put you down or condemn you. It's to show you what needs to change so you can come into life. So there's two words of life. So in John 6, 63, Jesus said, The words I speak, they are spirit. See? They are spirit. And they are life. So he said, I, I don't just speak words that are nothing. He said, words I speak actually have a spirit nature about them because I'm in the image of God. And, and so he says, I speak words and there's a spirit content in them. And whenever they go, they bring life into people. That's how we're designed to operate. You're designed as a spirit being to be able to speak God's words, the words God gives you, into a situation, and it changes, and it turns, and it begins to become like what you've said. This is a, a new thing for many people, but it's actually how we're designed to operate. See? Think about it. See? Jesus spoke to a withered hand. A man had a withered hand in Mark chapter 3. Jesus said that, and this is what he just said. He just spoke a command. He said, stretch! That's pretty mean to tell a crippled man to stretch. Unless your words are spirit and have life. And there was power released. He spoke, see, Jesus spoke. Whenever he spoke, he released something. Something happened when he spoke. This is why we're going through this process of looking about words which are destructive so you wake up and stop saying that kind of word and begin to position yourself where you can say words that change environments, change circumstances, bring life into people. There's no situation ever recorded where Jesus put anyone down. Put down word is a word releasing the spirit of murder and death into someone. That's why when someone puts you down, you always feel afterwards down on the inside. You don't feel alive and built up and lifted up. You actually got hit by something. Have you noticed you get around some people and after you've been around them, you are downed. They are releasing a spirit of murder which steals away your life. Because before you were talking to them, you were doing just fine. And after you were talking to them, you're downed. They stole away your life. That's what murder is. So people can release a spirit against you without even knowing. And two people get talking, come into agreement, it'll come against you and you'll feel it and you can't work out why you feel downed. But a spirit has been released from the spirit world to come against you and to begin to press on you and drain your life out. Say. Spirit of death. What does the spirit of death do? Well, we tend to think of death, we tend to think, well, there's a body, he's gone. But, I, but, but death means a separation, to become isolated or to become cut off relationally is death. See, the wages of sin is death. It means we're cut off relationally. So when people speak words that down you, when people speak words that lie to you, they release a spirit of death. Why? Because when you find out or you feel those words, what happens is you become separated from that person. Someone puts you down, you want to move away from them. Someone lies to you, you feel wounded inside, and you want to move away from them. 
You're alienated from them. Someone gossips about you or slanders you, again, it releases the spirit of murder and death. It releases something. And when you find out about it, you are wounded and hurt, and then you withdraw from them. That's the very symptoms of murder and death. There's a spirit come against you. Now, you and I are responsible. We are called to be ambassadors of Christ, to use our mouth, our creative faculty, to bring words that change how people are. You every day could go around and speak words of encouragement to people. Sincere words of genuine encouragement will make people's face light up in their day, happy day. It's such a contrast. Most people go around complaining, they're negative, they're impatient, they, they, they demand things of people that are serving them. But when you go and you begin to encourage and lift up and speak well, Something changes. You release or you give permission for the Spirit of God to touch their life. One amazing thing. So God's words, one, they're creative. Two, they speak life. What are your words like? Here's another thing Here's, uh, about God's words. The, the words that uh, God speaks release power and authority. They release spiritual power and authority. In Luke chapter 4, verse 36, Jesus just cast out a demon. How did he get rid of a demon? Words. They said, what word is this? They realized it was his words. What kind of words does this man speak? For he speaks with authority and he speaks with power. Even the demons listen to his words and do what his words say. Don't ever complain. You've got demons harassing you when within you is the power to confront them and drive them away. It's just you're not using it. You're probably using it to attract them. You speak negativity and death and and speak pessimistically and and, and won't use your mouth the way God designed your mouth to be used, to glorify Him, to honor Him, to bring His life into the earth. Well, it's not surprising demons hang around. And if they're hanging around, you have to understand this. God gave you the capacity to deal with them. If they're hanging around, it's because you didn't deal with them. And that's probably because you didn't get into your heart an understanding of the power of your words and the privilege you have as a son, a daughter of the living God, to dismiss these demons, get rid of them. If they're there, you let them be there. Do something different. Use your mouth differently. See? Use your mouth differently. Okay, see, so words of life. So Jesus', uh, Jesus words release power. In other words, ever heard the statement, his words carry weight? Or he's a man of his word. Okay? That means the words had something in them that's substantial. If he's a man of his word, means what he says, he'll do. I like that. God's like that. He watches over his word to do it. Okay? And Jesus' words carried substance. I've heard people shout at demons. Shout till their voices hoarse. I said, listen. You can shout all you like. No demon's going to shift through shouting. They will shift when you believe in your heart the authority Jesus has given you. And as his representative, you speak with belief. Your words carry your spirit and carry faith. According to your faith, it'll be done to you. Jesus spoke to winds, they changed. He spoke to storms, they changed. He spoke to dead men and they rose up. His words carried substance. You say, oh, well, you know, I'm not like that. Well, listen, maybe that's big brother. 
but you're called to be like Big Brother, so start off now doing the right things. Copy Big Brother. Start to speak the right kind of words, speak words that live. Okay then, so we got the idea of how we design. So Jesus said this, in case you didn't realize this, John 14, 12, the works I do, he that believes in me, the works I do, he'll do also. So if you believe in Jesus, the things he did spoke to things. You'll do them also. If you're not doing them, it's because you don't believe it'll work. And one of the reasons we don't believe it works is because our experience with our words is they're not very good words. They're often deceptive words or dishonest words or gossipy words, which we'll see in a moment, empty words. Listen, if I become aware of the capacity I have with the words I speak to change my environment, I'm going to be careful what I say. I'm going to put a... I ask the Holy Ghost to pull me up every moment I speak a word that's empty or deceptive or dishonest or gossipy or negative or whatever. I'm going to, Holy Ghost, pull me up on that. Immediately show me I'm not going to have that flowing out of my heart. My heart is going to speak out of my mouth words that change atmospheres, bring life, create things. Long before I saw miracles actually present, I was seeing them and speaking them. Okay? I was in my prayer room speaking them, declaring it shall be this. See? Long before I ever saw them happen, I saw them with my mind and imagination, agreed with the Word of God and declared it would be so. So you are creating by your words and your meditations of your heart your future. That's why we need to be guarding what we say. I'll get on to different kind of words next week and then we'll get on to how to just release things. See, Jesus said, have the faith of God, Mark eleven twenty two. If you will speak to this mountain, be moved. Now you see, most people when they've got a problem, you know what they do? They talk about their problem. And then they ring someone up and talk to them about their problem. They come to the cell group and talk about their problem. They come up in the altar call, they're still talking about their problem. They have not moved into a position where it will change because they're not talking solution. I need to speak to the problem, not talk about it. I need to command it to be diminished. I need to command the spirits that energize it to go in Jesus' name. I need to declare what God says, blessing into this area. Long before I see a result, I've got to do that. Okay then, so let's have a look at, uh, at uh, Matthew chapter 12. Let's go back. I want to pick up this thing of idle words, idle words. Okay, we're getting the idea how God intends you to use your tongue. How he intends you. We'll go back into that area. I just want to pick up this thing of idle words. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Good man, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. Evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. I say to you, every word, idle word men speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. The words you speak reveal who you are. The words you speak reveal the kind of person you are. The words you speak, the spirit world is listening to. It's listening to your words so carefully that every one of them is recorded. Every one of them, every idle word. How can you hear an idle word? You've got to be listening and tuning in to every word. So every word that we are speaking in the earth as God's representative, he's listening to, all heaven is listening to, demons are listening to it so they can leap on it and have a chance to do some havoc. God is listening to it because he wants to be able to work on your behalf. 
The key thing is, are you speaking as an ambassador of heaven or are you representing and reflecting the demonic chaos of the world? What are you speaking? And he says every idle word. An idle word it means literally something that's barren uh, yields no return. There's no fruit in it. It's an empty word. So probably the best way you describe it is it's a word that you speak but you never meant it. Any word you speak and you didn't mean what you said is an idle word. Any word. Any word you spoke but you had no intention of keeping it is an idle word. Any word that was insincere and not genuine or authentic is an empty, idle word. Okay? No content. Now, the thing is, you think, oh, well, if it's an empty word, at least it's not a negative word. Actually, that's not true. Because an empty word, an empty word still releases something. I tell you, it's so simple to see it. If I give a commitment to you that I will pay a bill today, and you then arrange your plans on the basis of my word, but I had no intention of doing it. The day comes, I don't pay the bill. Don't say that you won't be affected by that. You will be affected in a number of ways. First, you'll be hurt that I treated you with such little respect and value. Secondly, you'll feel distrustful of me. Thirdly, you will step away from me. So these are all the manifestations of the spirit of death. See, words can bring us closer. Words can separate us. So it does minister something. Empty words. You think when a tradesman said they'd come and they never came. You think when someone said they'd do something and they never did it. You, say, you, you think when someone said something to you and, and uh, you just felt as you heard it, it's not going to happen. They're just lying to me. And you wanted to say something but didn't know what to say. Don't tell me it doesn't have any effect. Empty words have a huge effect. They actually have a number of effect in our relationships. Let me just give you some examples of negative, uh, empty words. I'll just quickly do them, but just so you get an idea of what they are. Just want you to understand what they are, and then we want to turn so that we never speak empty words. We're going to speak words that have substance or we'll just zip our lip. Okay, empty words. Flattery is a form of empty words. Flattery. Flattery is insincere praise. When people flatter you, they tell you, oh, you're wide, you're wonderful, blah, 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 and it's just sort of over the top. Now, there's sincere praise, there's insincere praise. It's actually praise which is over the top, and it has a hidden agenda. The Bible says the person who flatters with the tongue is spreading a net for your feet. They want something. So when someone comes and flatters you, they're buttering you up, they're going to ask for a favor, or they want to pump, they're pumping you up to get some information out of you. That's what they're doing, all of which, of course, is manipulative and deceptive and release the spirit of death because when you find out what they were up to, you feel quite wounded, hurt, and distrustful. Ah, something was ministered all right. So flattery, 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 flattery. There's an agenda in behind it. Religious words. Here's another one, religious words. This is the one we're most common. This is the one you find around the church. Religious words. It's found in Matthew chapter uh, 15, verse 8. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He said, whoa, we would never do that. We're in a Pentecost church. We're actually in Bay City. Listen, anytime you stand there and you're just mouthing some words, but your heart and your mind and everything is far away, they're empty words. Now, and don't think they don't do something. 
the only thing, the only kind of words that build an atmosphere that brings the presence of God is words that come from a heart that's engaged and actually really authentically wants to love God and express to him something. And he comes to those words, the other, he says they're religious words. He said Pharisees are like that. He said the Pharisees talk, but they don't do. We have to go, that's why you'll, you'll get stirred periodically in church to get out of just being half-hearted. Half-hearted means you're saying the words and going through the motions, but your heart isn't in it. That is empty words. And they don't release life, they release death. They actually produce, a, they, they reinforce a heavy spirit over the whole congregation. That's why we stir people to be very expressive physically and with words. Why? Because it totally shifts the atmosphere by putting something with life into it. Empty words won't do that. Empty praise will not bring about the presence of God. Don't think that just because you sing a few songs, God has to come. He doesn't at all. He comes with his faith and a heart that loves him and will engage him. So engaging God is what counts, not just having a service. And so you get these palaver, oh, well, the Lord bless you. You think, oh, actually religious words make me sick. I just actually feel sick inside because they're sweet to the point of being sick because they're not authentic and they turn you off. And not only that, if you're an unsafe person, well, you've got every right to be turned off. I'm turned off by them. I can't stand them. Because they're insincere. There's no life in them. They don't carry life. They carry a religious spirit which brings death. Oh, brother, we're praying for you. Just do it. Don't tell me about it. You start to listen around, boy, you'd just be amazed how much of this religious talk goes on. And, and it's just words which are not sincere. Words which the person's heart isn't engaged in it. That's all it is. And Jesus said, we're called to count for empty words. Don't speak empty words. They don't bring about life. They bring about death. Empty religious words. Whoa, we're getting all quiet now. Here's another one. Empty words. Lame excuses. Ever heard the old lame excuse? Someone gives you an excuse. You think, oh, God. That one's so lame it can't even stand up on its feet. Kids give all these excuses why they didn't get their homework done and why they didn't get their room done, didn't do the dishes, didn't do this, didn't do that. And you think, oh, God, give me a break. Basically, you're just not being responsible for your behavior and you're covering it with these empty words. They don't mean a thing. Saul did that, had empty words, you know, empty words. He failed to do what God said and then he said, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, right. You know, how do we know yeah, right? Because a few minutes later, he's saying, look, I'm really sorry, but could you come and honor me in front of all the people? Because that's what I'm really concerned about. He wasn't concerned about God. It was empty words. It sounded religious and good. Oh, I'm sorry. I have sinned against the Lord. But look, listen, just so that it looks good in front of all the people, could you make sure you come over here and pray with me? Come on. This is the kind of nonsense. This is the sort of stuff that people get offended with. God gets offended with it. He took the guy, the guy's role because of that. Here's, here's, the, here's the last one. Insincere commitments. This is the classic one. This is the one most commonly where we speak empty words. And you are really, truly only as good as your word. I've been guilty of this myself. I've, I've worked on my life. I try hard at it. And every now and then slip up. But uh, let me just give it to you. I've written down a few. You'll think of your own ones. But... Um, 
a, a commitment's an undertaking to fulfill a responsibility. So when you make a commitment, you've got to be careful that you actually are going to fulfill it. If you're going to fulfill it, that's fine. If you're not going to, don't give a commitment. Uh, oh, okay, see, and if, if this is what happens. See, these are the kind of things that happen. Given to you quickly, then we'll just finish up. Well-meaning. I meant to do it, but I forgot. That's an empty word. Yeah, you meant, well, oh, look, I really meant it when I said yes. And what happened? I just forgot. I talked to someone else and just forgot. So don't say things you don't mean to come. And some personalities are a bit more like that than others. So some personalities have a tendency. They really meant well while they were with you, but then five minutes later they were distracted and they just forgot. I really meant to do it. I really meant, but it was an empty word because it never got fulfilled. It was an empty word that requires acknowledgement and repentance of or its power stands. Okay, here's another one, vague. Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. When are you going to do it? Oh, I'll, I'll do it. It's okay, just leave it to me, I'll get it done. And you hear those words and in your heart you're thinking, oh no, it's not going to get done. It's sort of vague, it's got no specifics on it. Got no, not got no time and day and completion point, you know, it's not going to happen. And you get on edge. Did you get life given to you? No, you did not get life. Empty words do not impart life. They impart death. They definitely do. They leave you nervous. I wonder if that's really going to get done. You start to weigh awake at night thinking, I wonder if it will get done. And sure enough, it didn't get done. I knew it. You see, what, how did you know it when the words were, I'll get it done? You knew it because you felt it was empty. They weren't in it. They weren't in it. Their heart wasn't in it. You heard the words, the heart wasn't in it. Here's another one, punctuality. Yes, I'll be there at 3 o'clock. Jesus, help me. 3 o'clock comes and goes. That's the most common one of an empty word. I'll be there to do the job tomorrow. Tomorrow comes and goes and the job isn't done. Oh, well, this is the guy next to you. Tell the person next to you, boy, this is for you. This is all for you. I just feel it in my spirit. This is from God for you. I really feel this is for you. I hope you're listening. You really need this one. <laughs> okay, I better quickly finish this one then. Here we go. Here's another, another one is where a person makes a reluctant commitment. They've, they've made the commitment, but it's under pressure, and you feel the reluctance. And you should know, either it won't get done, it'll get done late, or it'll be done bad. Either way, it's an empty word, and boy, you can feel it. Teenager, got your room done. Yeah, okay. I can see we're in for a fight over this one. There was no mention of a fight. All you heard was, yeah, I'll get it done but you knew. How did you know you felt? Their heart wasn't in it. Their heart was definitely not in it. It was an empty word. And the other one, insincere words. Insincere words are words said just to please someone to get them off your back. Now, many people, this is the one, you know, you, you, especially if you're a mother and you're trying to get your kids to do something or you're talking to your husband about something, say, yeah, 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 I'll get it done. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll get to it. And what they're really doing Got, they're not at all saying, I'll get to it. What the real meaning is, get off my back. Just don't remind me I haven't done it. Don't tell me that. I don't want you to tell me that. 
So they say words like, yeah, yeah, I'll get it done. Okay, let, just in a minute. But they're empty words because they aren't what they mean. They don't mean anything. It's just smokescreen. So empty words are a smokescreen. They always leave people disappointed, hurt, frustrated. Here's, the, here's what they do. The thing is, your, your words, hey, let me just finish with the scripture here. Numbers chapter 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said and will he not do? Has he not said it and will he not make it good? That's God. So we're called to be like him. If he said it, do it. Said it, make it good. Huh? Said it, then do it. That's how God does. Copy him. See, now your words will establish your credibility. So when you actually decide you're going to back up your words, repent of empty words. So the first place to start is, God, help me to see every time I say something that's empty. Just quickly show me so I can quickly repent of it. Help me to just zip my lip rather than say words that are empty. And if I make commitments, help me to see how important it is to keep them and to keep them like you would keep them. Because we don't keep our word and we don't experience people keeping their word and we find a lot of words are empty and full of da-da-da-da. We find it real hard to believe that God would keep His word. We project our negative experience onto God and we have a trouble believing if God says it, He's as good as His word. You say amen? Father, we just thank You right now that you're helping us in this whole realm of the words that we speak. Lord, we are designed to speak words that create and bring new things into being. We're designed to speak words that impart life and encouragement and lift people up. We're designed to speak words into our environment with authority and power that shift things. Father, help us to be people like that, that speak those words. Father, show us Every time we speak empty words that we are insincere, have no intention of keeping, or actually fail to keep, show us so we can repent of them and put it good. Father, we pray you'll help us by showing us words which are deceptive and dishonest, words which are gossipy and slanderous about others, words which put people down. Lord, Holy Spirit, no man can tame the tongue, but you can. Take hold of our tongue that we might begin to move into realms in the Spirit where we speak and things begin to change. Where we lay hands on people and speak to diseases and the disease responds to the words we've spoken. Where we can lay hands and speak and demons will listen to the words we speak and respond where we can speak over our office and work environment and things begin to change. Things which were covered manifest and come out. Things which were controlling are defeated and life comes into the relationships and the business. Father, that's the kind of people we're designed to be. That's the people we are. We've just gone along with something else for a long time. So much it's become a habit. Help us to break the habit and to stand up and be who we're called to be.